And we are back. I welcome everybody. This is Captain Motorboat with Captain's Cocktails. And I'm here with Jackie Greer of Perverts of Color, a Tumblr website. Yes. So, first, tell me, talk Perverts of Color. What's the meaning behind that one? Okay. Um, so, uh, I use the term pervert to mm -hmm. talk about the way in which we view our sexual desires from the lens of society. Okay. If you like anything that is outside of the confines of marriage, or if you like anything that is beyond or not related to heterosexuality, mm -hmm. or if you like certain types of pain or activities or play, um, you're considered a pervert. Mm -hmm. And um, I feel like there's this great spectrum of pervert where there's the people who are just doing weird things, and then there are people that we consider a danger to the world. Okay. Um, and in all honesty, I find most of the perverts I know to be actually really just focused on their own pleasure and, and trying to decide what their sexuality means for them. Mm -hmm. They often have these tight-knit communities, and I was exploring these communities and not finding a lot of people of color. Mm -hmm. So, Perverts of Color grew out of my desire to find more brown, black people who wanted to explore their sexuality, who connected the concept of their identity to their understanding of freedom and justice. Um, I do a POC zine, and one of the things I said in my zine was that uh, your ancestors did not die so you can have fake orgasms. <laughs> That is a very powerful statement. You know? Yeah. Um, and I think that for people like us, we have a lot of baggage and hang-ups and trauma and things that we're sorting through, which makes us either makes it difficult or makes us reluctant to learn about our own desires. Sometimes we think, oh, that's why people are shit. They're only ones doing that weird freaky stuff. But that weird freaky stuff is part of human sexuality. Mm -hmm. Humans have been doing weird freaky stuff since the beginning of time. Yes. You're not the first person to explore your butt. You're not the first person to have multiple partners. You're not the first person to have a DS dynamic. None of it. And you're not the first black person to do it either. Yeah. So, um, Perverts of Color for me became about representation of showing people that other people do this too. Mm -hmm. um, I think it's good for our communities and it's good for the greater, larger community of all races to see that they didn't invent this shit. Like, yeah. It's been around this whole time mm -hmm. and that we all can access it. But I think it's especially critical for people who look like me because we don't see ourselves in any media at all, let alone um, happy, healthy sexual expressions. Very true. So, um, Perverts of Color, there's a level of pride in that because if you claim it, you're saying that this is the shit that I like, um, this is what I do, I am dedicated to learning about myself and to meeting other people who are like me. Um, and. And yeah, there's a little bit of like in your face with it too. Like, mm -hmm. and you can't stop me. You know? yeah. This is my birthright. This is my heritage. Yeah. I kind of think of it like I come from a long line of perverts throughout time. <laughs> yeah. And it's my it's my turn to shine, so to speak. <laughs> um, I think in that vein, one of the one of the things that sort of connects to this project is I work with the Carter Johnson Mother Library, mm -hmm. which is a library that's been around for at least 20 years. Um, my leather grandma, Mama Vi, she started collecting books that were related to sexuality, and some of these books are I think the oldest book is the 1600s. So she finds really old like medical journals and porn magazines and all kinds of stuff. People, things people normally just throw away. Or, yeah. You know, when a family member dies, you just throw all their porn in the closet and then trash it. But all of that is actually historical 
um, records of human sexuality throughout time. Mm -hmm. So saving it is one of the ways that we can show it to people who question us. We can say, this is not new because this exists. And the fact that this exists proves that it probably existed before that as well. Yeah. So a record of it. So um, long story short, she collects all of these books because there was an organization called Americans for Truth. Mm -hmm. And they um, host book burnings. So they collect books they don't agree with and they have these book burnings. I don't even know what you do with a book burning because that's just so against everything I believe in. Yeah. Right. Like, it, that makes me cry on the inside. Yes, and that's how she felt too. As yeah. a librarian, as a historian, um, as a griot, it really just bothered her. So um, she started collecting these books and it turned into a library. And now she travels with the library and they have 5013C. And they're going through the process of trying to get the books preserved and digitized and put online. I love that. Yes, so that's a project that I'm attached to as well. And a lot of that connects to say that human sexuality has meant different things at different times. The same act in one time period was acceptable and then another time period was not acceptable. And it exactly. was all about the cultural context mm -hmm. involved. So we should just understand the cultural context of where we're in now and then consider our desires through the lens that benefits us individually because we've earned it after all of the trauma. Like we've earned having orgasms that we don't have to explain to other people. <laughs> or shelter from rooftops that I had a fantastic orgasm. Exactly, exactly. So there is a level of privilege in that because I've set my life up so that I don't have to worry about the consequences of my desires being out. Not everyone has that privilege. Yeah. Um, I specifically don't have any kids. I specifically work in environments that my sex life is irrelevant or an asset. Mm -hmm. to, um, but I made those choices because I feel like it's important that someone does. Um, we all just can't pretend that we're not having sex, yeah. and we can't pretend that we're not the population that has the most STDs, the most unwanted pregnancies, the most, you know, medical complications. Like we, there are reasons why we have to start addressing these issues. Mm -hmm. and so, Parents of Color just also became a way for me to express that, specifically for people of color. Mm -hmm. um, so through that, I have done local munches. I have hosted at um, larger events, national and local events. You know, it's a lot trying to maintain your own personal integrity uh. while also having this brand that is slowly becoming bigger than yourself. Mm -hmm. But I think the balance is just authenticity, like trying to be very clearly, authentically who I am. And I think people respond to that. So I think that's one of the reasons why it's gotten to be as big as it has. Yeah. You, know? you stand on your trip and I appreciate that. Yeah. yeah. So you mentioned a couple of terms that I want to clarify. DSW? DS relationships. DS relationships. What are those for our audience? Okay, so a DS relationship, D as in dog, S as in snake. Well, actually, it's more like D as in domination, S as in submission. Ah, okay. So some people call them power exchange. Some people call them authority exchange. But it's the concept of one partner in the relationship who is in charge and another partner who serves or follows. Um, and that dynamic probably happens in other relationships that don't call themselves DS, but in a DS relationship, it's an explicit um, understanding that you agree to. You agree to having an arrangement where one person means one thing, one person means another thing. So there's a lot of negotiation involved in that. Mm -hmm. And then there's levels of service. So maybe the level of service you have when you first started will be different than it would be in six months to a year. And then that level of service can increase throughout time or change. You know, you, there's constant check-ins. Mm -hmm. But um, DS is 
is the idea of someone having a, a level of control that's pre-negotiated, a level of authority, so to speak. Mm -hmm. Kind of like in some black households, you can ask mom, whatever mom says is it. Like, yeah. Mama's the last word. Mm -hmm. So in this relationship, maybe daddy's the last word, or maybe whoever is the last word. Mm -hmm. Just make it yeah, it sounds like something similar to what Daddy Rob was talking about inside the leather community and one of some of the dynamics, um, some some of the subcultures. Yeah. So, all right. So that's that's I'm thankful for that clarification. And then why Tumblr as medium? So that actually just came out of nowhere. Um, I didn't want to make my own website because I feel like with a lot of the net neutrality stuff that's coming up. I don't really know how much traffic a site of my own will get once they start playing with how you can view the internet, which is just the stupidest thing ever, but don't even get me started on that <laughs> So I wasn't really sure about that, and then I wanted to have a medium that was mostly picture-based, because I wanted to have something where people could see. Mm -hmm. um, I still can write blogs and things, but I wanted them to see it. Yeah. I wanted a visual... Uh, environment. So Tumblr is a lot more visual. Um, it has a little bit more anonymity than maybe t on Twitter or Instagram, so people felt comfortable sharing on Tumblr. And there was always already a thriving porn community, so I just sort of jumped in with the other porn people <laughs> and rode the wave. And it just so happened to be, you know, the, the media, the social media platform that stuck with that. Because I feel like when I first got on Tumblr, there were like three or four other little social media platforms that were sort of died down. Yeah. So I think I may have just got lucky to some extent and found one that stuck around a lot. Cool. So you've been doing this for how long? Um, the Tumblr's been around since 2012. Nice. Um, before 2012, I was running uh, TNG Baltimore, which is a local um, BDSM group for people that are um, 18 to 35. Okay. And I did that for about four years. And then I met just my leather family and various people in the scene and I made some connections and then I decided to focus on people of color. So then after I got into the scene probably 2006 and I had been doing some of this work a little bit like unofficially mm -hmm. but I created the Tumblr in 2012. Nice, very nice. And how has it grown from your first initial start to now? Uh, well, there are over 10,000 people following it. Okay. Which I think is pretty good for a niche market. Everybody mm. was like, nobody wants to see that, but apparently somebody does. <laughs> um, I've hosted a couple of parties mm -hmm. from that. Um, I've gotten other uh, opportunities to teach classes at other events. I've gone to Weekend Reunion, which is a black BDSM conference that happens once a year. Um, next one's in August, so I got to be there for that. Awesome. Uh, I've been there every year, actually. So uh, so I think I just, because I've been doing it, people found it, and then I made really cool friends or had some cool opportunities from it. Mm -hmm. So it has blown up more than I expected it to. But at the same time, I knew I wasn't the only one. Every time I met someone who saw it, it became a reaffirmation. Like, I knew I wasn't the only freak. Yeah. Because <laughs> you really feel that way yeah. in, in any sort of sexual, even in, even in higher ed sex classes, you are usually one of the only black people and brown people in the room. So it just felt really good to see visually people doing things that I know that we all do, mm -hmm. but maybe we're reluctant to talk about. Very fascinating. I'm just like you've given me so much information to think about that I don't know what questions to ask you right now. Oh. What do you want our audience to know? I, I'm like about you personally. How can they? Do you want them to find you? Yes. So find me on Tumblr. It's pervertsofcolor.com. 
or coverstocolor.tumblr.com. We got the Tumblr there. Yeah. Um, I also am uh, on Instagram as Jackie Rio, J-A-K-I-G-R-I-O-T. And I'm on Facebook as Jackie Rio Productions. Okay. Um, so my personal focuses are to create more art. Um, my 2018 New Year's resolution was to make more freaky, kinky, black, queer porn. And okay. Art. So I take that to mean paintings, mixed media, you know, photos, all kinds of stuff. I just wanted to be out there, you know. So that's something that you can look forward to. Hi. <laughs> Uh, what else I want you people to know? I just want them to know that they're not the only one. I feel like that's a common thread when I talk to brown people that they feel like they're not that they're the only one who likes this stuff. Yeah. Um, like somehow white people are the only ones who are allowed to have a sexual rumspringa, so to speak. You yeah. Know? Like they can go have an adventure and come back and do whatever they want. But we have to be here for our communities, here for our families. We we don't have time to explore ourselves. And I think that's a disservice to us yeah. as um, fully functional, healthy, well-rounded human beings. I think we can have nuances about some of our desires and some of the trauma that we've been through. You know, um, like for instance, I'm a person who's a survivor of sexual assault. Um, some of the things that I enjoy may look a certain way or may make people think about certain things, but they don't know the <laughs> levels of introspection and therapy and community that I have that sustain me so that I can enjoy myself to the level that I can without holding guilt and shame with it. I think there's a lot of guilt and shame with it. Even people who are doing those things that they enjoy they're doing it and then simultaneously processing all this guilt and shame with it. And I think there are ways for us to do it where we can process that, but it doesn't have to be this burden. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I really want us to get past this, like, we shall overcome mindset. Mm-hmm. Like, we don't have to struggle to go through this process. It can just be a process. Yeah. It's like, um, it's like taking a shit. Sometimes it's harder than others. You know? Yeah, but you gotta do it. But you gotta do it, <laughs> yeah. and it's a natural process, mm-hmm. and... We don't have to be, we don't have to have all of the emotional energy around it we do that holds us back. Yeah. It's almost like a vibration, a low vibration where you're like, oh, I don't know. Yeah, it's kind of like my thoughts of like um, my personal deity being a god, a god-based deity. Um, and it was like God gave you the strength. I mean, it's like that strength does not mean that you have to use that strength. You just can't hold on to it. Right. So use that strength to get through. Correct. So... So, you know, mm-hmm. there's just a lot of benefits to it. Health benefits to yeah. it, community benefits to it, people who are having happy, healthy sex lives. Oh, goodness. Better, yeah. You know, more well, well-rounded citizens. It's hard for you to be getting what your needs fulfilled and actively keeping someone else from doing the same. I mm-hmm. think it all connects. Yeah. And I just want, especially black women, to feel more power over their sexuality. Mm-hmm. I'll speak for myself in the black community, even when I was trying to be a sexually free person, I still felt like this level of black patriarchy that was trying to tell me how I can do it. Like you can be a video hoe, but only for me, and only at these times, and only wearing an outfit that I want, and only, and only, mm-hmm. you know? So yeah. It wasn't really mine, it was still playing for someone else's fantasies. Yeah. So I do think there's a lot of power in when we're just like, you know what my fantasy is? This. And then places or groups like Barbara's of Color you can go to and you can say this is my fantasy and someone can give you real actual information that you need in order to make that a reality whether or not you choose to make it a reality is your choice but understanding that 
it is possible, first off, which is like, that can make your ride explode. So one, is possible. Two, people like you can do it. <laughs> Three, if you choose to do it, here are some ways you can do it that are sustainable, that make sure your, your mental health is taken care of, self-care, you know, tangible resources. Mm -hmm. So that's really what my focus has been. The things you can see, you can touch, you can smell, actual information that will affect the way people will view themselves and their bodies. Nice. Thank you for that. So, again, information overload. I think I'm going to pause this there. I'm going to request that you give me all those links so I can put them at the bottom of this podcast mm -hmm. for anybody who's listening okay. so they can get that information, notably the, um, the um, convention you were talking about, yes. addition to a link to your Tumblr and then your own personal information. Awesome. So if your Michael like, listeners can find you. Yes. Um, and then also so you can um, like, promote it yourself. Um, and uh, my closing question usually is, describe your vagina. <laughs> My vagina is nine inches long. Um, it is black. It is hairy. It is um, shaped like a fist. It can grab you from behind, and um, it has a knife in the middle. So don't try. <laughs> interesting. Interesting. I like it. I like it. All right, thank you very much for talking to me. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Have fun. All right, and that's it, everybody. Until next time, this is Captain Melbourne of Slenny Times. Bye.